1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown.
0: And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The loudest. The biggest. The brashest. New York is its own character in every play. The bad thing about New York is the pressure. You're always under pressure. Here are the stories about those plays. It's New York Accent with Damon Amendolara.
1: You know, it's hard to repeat. Uh, It's hard to win again. Um it's hard to do anything twice. You know, when, when you talk about like major sports. And so I look at I look at our team back then and we you know we fit that profile
0: 100%. We were in search of something that we we couldn't find. Howard Johnson was a member of the famed 1986 Mets, the last World Championship of course in franchise history and one of the most iconic teams in baseball lore. He watched the build and then the fade into mediocrity, with the championship in between. But along the way, he also made his mark. He went 30-33 different times in 1987, 1989, and 1991. A marvelous feat of versatility. He made a pair of All-Star games and collected another title even before his Mets career started with the 84 Tigers. He also witnessed the living greatness of Straw and Doc in their primes, but also now the numbers of those two legends be retired by the team. Hojo was inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame and reflects back on what made those seasons so special at Shea, his hustle and spirit making him one of the most popular members of those great teams. This is Howard Johnson's New York accent. Recently a member of the Mets Hall of Fame and will be honored coming up in March. As part of the forty-fourth annual Thurman Munson Awards, joining us this morning here on the show is the great Howard Johnson. Hojo, Joe, how you doing? Yeah, how's it going, man? Things good, doing great, doing great. You know, Thurman was, of course, a presence for the Yankees for years before you got to New York. Did you have a kind of a sense of his importance and the type of guy that he was before you had your major league baseball career start in the eighties? Oh, yeah, when I
1: was when I was younger. You know, I'd watch, you know, games on TV. The Yankees were on a lot. You know, I, I lived in Florida. I grew up there in Florida, and um, you know, the Yankees were on a lot. You know, game of the week and stuff. And you know, of course, Thurman Munson and the world, all the World Series stuff that was happening uh, when I was in high school. So I, I listen. I have a tremendous respect for the, the Munson family and this whole thing. So I'm I'm really really excited about being there uh, this year in March
0: tickets are available and so you can be part of this amazing gala this amazing dinner thurman Munson obviously tragically passes away uh the 1980 season and i'm wondering you know if you're a baseball fan do you remember like where you were or hearing that news or the the outpouring of emotion after uh that crash i don't exactly
1: remember where i was but i just remember when it when the when the news came across, so we got our news a lot different back those days, you know. Heard Well, you had to be watching TV or be on the radio, and you know, you just didn't hear things real fast. But I just remember, you know, thinking, man, what a great player! Like he he, he, he died, he's dead from you know a plane crash, and uh, just not just not really understanding like all the details with that and. Um, you know, you, you feel, you, you feel kind of lost at that just for a moment, you know, you don't know like what's happening, you know, what's going on, you know, how does that even something like that happen? I never knew guys, you know, I wasn't familiar with, you know, pilots and flying and this and that. And, you know, just to think that guys are doing that, you know, also playing baseball same time. I thought that was kind of a separate deal. Um, I never want to put myself at risk like that, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just a crazy crazy moment when that happened, and you know people will never forget the the event um, that happened, and so that's that's just something that that will always stay with you.
0: He's the captain of the seventy seven and seventy eight Yankees teams that win the World Series. That's the last World Series champions in New York until you guys did it in 86. But I had mentioned you had won the World Series in 84 with, historically speaking, one of the most dominant champions of all time, the 84 Detroit Tigers. You guys were white hot to begin the season, ripped through the playoffs. That was a really dominant team and is still the last Tigers World Series champion as well. What were your memories as a young player on the 84 Tigers teams and what you were watching from the veterans around you as you guys went to a championship? Well, that's, that's well put, DA, because I, I really watched the veterans. I, I, I was
1: a, um, a young player. my first full year, 84. I'd come up a little bit in 82 and 83. And, you know, I learned a long time ago that if you want to be great, you know, watch the great do what they do and try to learn from that and that's that's the way I I carried that with me a long time and you know I watched all the veteran players that we had and just try to pick their brains and talk to them and watch the game and if I wasn't playing I, I could still I could still watch the game and try to learn as much as I could from that watching the pitcher throw uh just just everything you know you could learn so much by watching and I think that 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 part of the game is gets lost on young players today. I, I think that, you know, we're so absorbed in, you know, what we are doing that we study our swing, we study, you know, every little thing about us ourselves. But, you know, if we watch and we see the veterans, we watch the guys who do it well and make it look effortless, there's something to be learned from that. And that's something that might apply. You know, we didn't have you know, the things you have today, the instant video, all this, all this stuff. So you have to you have to be creative, you know, and you have to be thinking like, okay, what can this guy do that I can't and how can I get what he has? Maybe that'll help me. You know, what can I do to help me? And it's just one of those things that takes a while but to learn from walking and, and, and trying and to ask those questions amongst, you know, amongst each other, uh, definitely mean your own in your
0: own mind when you left the tigers and were traded to the mets and you get to spring trading in 86 do you feel a certain similarity between what you had just experienced two years earlier in detroit very similar
1: because in 82 and 83 the tigers had come close i knew we had a good team you know i was, I was part of a good program it was being built you know the team was ready to pop basically uh 84 just kind of took off you know we made a kind of a thing in in spring training that you know to be on this team you got to win and you're gonna you know we this is our expectation that year and the same thing was happening in 85 um when I got traded over there I knew right away the team was was on the verge of uh popping and you know came close and then 80s come around it was almost identical from 84 and thinking in the 86 now that the team was aware of what they were and we were like on the verge. So it was just a matter of coming in of spring training and saying, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And you just don't know like exactly like how it's going to play out, but you know that at the end of the year, you know, we're going to accomplish our goal, which was to get, get to the postseason. Win a world championship, beat St. Louis, um, you know, for the division title. That was our that was our main obstacle in front of us, and just try to dominate dominate the division and dominate the national league and just get to where we wanted to get to. How much did you guys hate the Cardinals? <laughs> Pretty much. We hated them, they hated us. You know, we you know, we had some great games with them, some great series. I'll never forget, you know, going there, just seeing, you know, the plane fly across, you know, Bush Stadium, you know, or Ponce, you know, that was the big deal. And we're like, what the heck is this, though? So, you know, we, the, the hotel, the team hotel is right across the street from the ballpark. So, you know, walking from there across the street into the ballpark, you know, was a treat because there's a lot of Cardinal fans, a lot of Med fans, but a lot of Cardinal fans you know, waiting to give it to us. And so we we were aware of it and we kind of embraced it It was like, okay, let's go, you know, let's, let's do this thing. And, and that's, that's the attitude that we had was like, let's go meet it head on. And we were finally able to break through in 86 after coming close in 85 and uh, you know, rest is history. We just kind of end up breezing through the season, but you know, it was still a difficult challenge because The Cardinals were a heck of a team, and Whitey was a heck of a manager, and we knew that they were going to be ready for us.
0: Down two runs, two outs, bottom nine, game yep. six. Do you feel hopeless or do you feel hopeful at that moment?
1: I don't want to say hopeless or hopeful. I felt like, to be honest with you, D.A., I felt like they're, in my mind, I'm thinking it's it can't end like this. So that's that's what I was thinking at this time. I'll, honest to God, at the moment, I was just thinking it's not, it can't end. It can't end. You're kind of like, somebody punched you in the face. You're kind of stunned, you know, but it can't end. It's not over. Um, You know, Dykstra was standing next to me. I was talking to Lenny. I said, I just can't see it being over right now. You know, and some of the guys were, you know, a little bit more defeatist at that point, but you know, I didn't feel like it was going to be like that. And Carter was coming back and forth, back and forth in the, in the dugout grabbing guys by the shirt, you know, pulling them close. And, you know, basically convincing us and convincing himself. I don't know, but, you know, he wasn't going to be the last out of the World Series. He was up third that inning. So as things were kind of unfolding, you know, Gary just wasn't going to let it happen. And that's just the way we felt. And when he went up there to bat with two outs and nobody on down by two, you know, he fell off a ton of pitches. I don't know what the number was, but he fell off a lot of pitches before it finally Getting a base hit. And at that point it was like a flame was lit that, you know, opened the door. You know, we are the door opened a crack. And that's all we wanted was that opportunity, at least to try to put something together. It wasn't going to happen, it wasn't going to happen, but at least we had a chance. And that's what guys, you know, kind of jumped on and it snowballed for that from against them from there. And we just felt all the momentum in the world happen.
0: What was it like to be a young player in New York in the 80s that could that could go anywhere and be a celebrity after winning the World Series?
1: It's different. It's fun. I could I'd tell you that. Um I was married, you know, I had had kid, had, had my youngest daughter. I want to say kids, I had one daughter at the time and uh, my wife and I enjoyed New York. We we were living there full-time. Uh it was just a it was just so much fun to be a part of it because the city embraced us so much that we, you know, we just, we fell in love with it. You know, it was great to go to the, go into the city, go have dinner. You know, people would recognize you when you walked in the door, you know, you didn't have to call for a reservation. You just basically walk in. Hey, let's go eat here, you know? Nice. So we go, we go, we go grab dinner, you know, and it was just, Yes, man. People were everywhere. They just wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to shake your hand. They wanted to high-five you and congratulate you. And we just we just enjoyed it, took advantage of
0: that, and made a lot of friends there, that's for sure. So Ray Knight then leaves after that. That opens up third base for you full time, and you take advantage right away. You have oh. 30-30 season, and you have three of them in the ensuing years for teams that are good, but not As great as 86 although the 88 team was amazing as well what do you what do you pinpoint as the reason why all the ensuing years after 86 you guys weren't quite as great as uh 86
1: because i don't think you can you can just flip the switch and repeat what happened the year before there's always going to be you know roster change there's going to be um you know, attitude change a little bit. You know, it's it's different when you, you're you hunting the, the champ and you want to be the champ. And then when you finally climb that mountain, you know, you, you're in search of another mountain to climb and it's hard to get down. You have to go down to go back up. And so I, I just know from experience that it's difficult to do. I, I think if you look in sports period, um, you know, it's hard to repeat. Uh, it's hard to win again um it's hard to do anything twice you know when, when you're talking about like major sports and so I look at I look at our team back then and we you know we fit that profile 100 percent we were in search of something that we we couldn't find and it took us you know 86 was unbelievable 87 was a good season but you know, for me personally, it was a great season, but overall, we still, you know, guys got hurt. I mean, we are. I think our whole pitching staff went down at some point during '87 season. You know, time on the DL. You know, Doc was going through his thing with drugs, so there was a lot of there was a lot of things that were going on that that impacted that year. And then '88, we we had a mountain to climb. And we we climbed it. We had a great season. We had a great team, um, but the Dodgers just. You know, knocked us right down. You know, Earl Hirschhizer, I blame him. He was the guy. I blame Kirk Gibby. Kirk Gibson, Gibby, my buddy. You know. Yeah, T-Bone. I blame all those guys. Uh, I blame Tommy Lasorda because I think we did a heck of a job getting that team ready to play. And, hey, man, they took it from us, and I just tipped my hat.
0: You were a two-time All-Star, a two-time Silver Slugger as well. You had three 30-30 seasons, and it wraps up with a Mets Hall of Fame honor. And yeah. to be honored recently to go into the Mets Hall of Fame, that must have been pretty impo- impactful, powerful for you. How, how was it when you learned that you were going to go in?
1: Well, I got a call from Steve Cohen about, uh, I don't know, three or four days before Christmas. And he told me, you know, what I didn't have no idea what it was about. I had... I'd given up any opportunity or mindset that I was maybe get to the Mets Hall of Fame. Yeah, just you just don't think about those things
0: after. You know, maybe he was calling you up to be maybe a DH or something. (laughs) I don't know. I'd been a coach
1: before. I thought maybe he was asking me to you know help out in some way. But um, when he told me what it was about, his sense was like, you know, the the Hall of Fame committee has met, and as soon as he said that, I was like, dang man, I'm gonna I'm gonna be elected. And and I just I didn't know what to say. I was a little bit, a little emotional for about a minute and couldn't say a word. And then finally just, you know, thanked him for, you know, calling and, you know, making, you know, this a great holiday season for us and my family. I uh, you know, I didn't know what to say at that point. I just thanked him tremendously and you know, it was exciting from there. He said, Hey, look, we're we'll keeping it under wraps for a while. We haven't announced it yet for about you know six seven weeks, so just be just be patient. And so that was difficult to do that, but um, I did it. And uh, when you know when it finally happened, it was uh, it was quite cool for for myself. Obviously, for my family, was I was
0: really happy for them. It's a time now where a lot of your teammates and members of the '86 team are being honored by the Mets. Yourself and the right. team Hall of Fame. Keith Hernandez's number retired, and now we'll have Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden's number retired in 2024 as well. How does it feel to see teammates of yours like that have their numbers retired, top top deck of uh, City Field?
1: Well, I think I think that you know when that happens, you, you know you just appreciate them even more. I mean, we knew as players, like I could tell you. You know, that like Keith, I could tell you that straw. I could tell you the doc. Those guys, you know, basically drove the bus. You know what I mean? They they got us to where we got to. Um, they helped climb the mountain. They were the guys doing the work. You know, the rest of us, you know, filled roles. The rest of us, you know, just, we were just happy to be on the bus, you know? And that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way guys know, that, know each other, you know, when you look at our, you know, the guys that play, when you look at that team, we go back and put ourselves back in that that time capsule of being in that locker room or, you know, going through those seasons. You just know, you know, the guys that you rely on, the guys that you just admire, the way they approach the game, uh, the way they do it. You know, Carter was another guy. These are the, these are the players, you know, that did the work. And so we just were there to, to fill the roles, the void, um, you know, and it, every, that happens every day in a, in a baseball season. There's little, little voids, you know. Guys step up, they do, they, you know, a certain game, you know, whatever, you know. Somebody goes down, the guy that comes up from the minor leagues, he fills a void. You know, those those are what we do. And so,
0: you know, we just it, it's nothing but admiration and respect for all of it. It's an amazing, you know, era that you were part of. And you were part of two teams that are kind of defining of the era, the 84 Tigers, the 86 Mets. So what a what a charmed career that you had as well. And it's so cool that you were honored by the Mets. I was a big fan of the Mets back in in that era, still am. And I just thought it was so um it was so appropriate that they honored you that way. And I think the Thurman Munson Award as well is such a wonderful honor because it's not only baseball related or sports-related, it's also about what you do off the off the field as well, this is a cause that helps benefit the AHRC of New York City, which raises money for children and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities to help them lead a productive life. So that must be very fulfilling as well, that you are being honored and remembered uh, coming up here in March, not only for on the field, but also for what you do in the community as well.
1: Well, I appreciate it, DA, it is an honor and I'm, I'm thrilled to be, you know, Part of that with Roy White, you know, Roy White is is a friend. Um, We have a little bit of history together. Went over to Japan uh, for uh, some clinics and stuff back in the day before we were playing games now. But um, yeah, just to be just to be honored, man. And back in New York City, uh, I used to go as a guest um, and watch, you know, watch the, the guys, you know, be honored. And it was a thrill to do that and represent the Mets at that time. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited, Uh, you know, off the field stuff. I try to be as much involved as I can with youth, teaching kids how to play the game of baseball, the game of life, you know, whatever I can do. I try to, I try to do that um, and try to, try to do it correctly and with excellence. And You know, my whole situation with our, baseball program in Nashville, you know, hopefully, you know, we want to do that more nationally, but just the, 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 way we try to do things, I think, I think Thurman Munson would
0: be proud. And that's very strong stuff. And so it's wonderful that you guys are being honored coming up in March. If our listeners and viewers want to check it out, you want to attend, tickets are available. It can be purchased online as we speak for the Thurman Munson awards coming up in March. Howard Johnson, multi-time All-Star, multi-time World Series champion, three-time 30-30 guy, joining us here on New York Accent. Ojo, it is such a pleasure to catch up, man. Thank you so much, and congratulations on all the honors recently. So cool. Thank you, D.A. I, D. I really appreciate it. Um, love
1: my New York roots and connecting there and coming back uh, just to be a part of it. So I appreciate the, the kind words and look forward to seeing everybody in March.
0: What a cool way to wrap up the final episode of New York Accent. Hojo is part of those Mets teams that I grew up loving. It's one of the biggest reasons I love baseball. And Hojo was always just such a spark plug of a player. He wasn't the great Daryl Strawberry or the dynamic Doc Gooden. He wasn't the captain like Keith Hernandez. But just always such a solid player, hustle, spirit, attitude. Hojo fit, fit in well On those teams of the 80s and 90s with the Mets. So that was really cool to talk to him. And yeah, this is the final episode as we are wrapping up this project. I am headed out of the Odyssey family. And so this puts the finishing touches on New York accent. But what a fun ride it has been. Thanks so much to executive producer Bryce Gelman, who's done an outstanding job booking the guests all year long, and then also posting the video of all these conversations to the YouTube page for WFAN. The cool thing about this podcast series is it's evergreen. That's what we call it in the business. When you can listen to this at any time, it is not timely. So all these great conversations that we've had with former Jets players and Mets players, Giants and Yankees, those that went through the Rangers organization like GM Neil Smith or the Knicks like former guard Chris Childs and former big man John Wallace, everybody, Mike Jarvis of St. John's head coaching fame, everybody we talked to, broadcasters, athletes and coaches alike, those conversations live forever. So if you enjoyed this episode or one of the previous episodes, go back and listen to them all because every conversation gave us such a cool insight into these players and coaches minds and careers and what it really is to play and compete or be from New York. There is something that all of us New Yorkers feel, which we know It's just different here. It's louder. It's noisier. It's grittier. It's more intense. It's bigger. It's brasher. And for us, it's usually better. And so the stories are so rich with history and context. And I've really loved doing this this series. So go back and check out all the episodes of New York Accent and... Pass them along to your friends as well. I had a terrific time doing this series and talking to all these legends, and I just love getting behind-the-scenes stories and inside the brains of guys that I watched growing up or I remember from seeing on TV or reading about or even watching their careers unfold as I was an adult, but now going back and hearing the stories behind the scenes. This has been one of the most rewarding projects of my career, and... I appreciate the opportunity to bring this to you, the audience. Once again, a special thanks to everybody at the Odyssey Podcast Department and executive producer Bryce Gelman and all of our subjects that we had here on New York Accent. I'm DA Damon Amendolara, and this has been an original Odyssey series.